Welcome to Digging Deeper in Grace, a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Our goal each episode is to dig deeper into the scriptures with a focus on our most recent sermon. And now let's dig deeper. Hello, I'm your host, Bart Sheridan, and thanks for joining us for this episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. We're just short of the midway point in our ongoing study of the book of Matthew, and Jeremy Kimball is joining us as our guest today. Jeremy recently shared with our church from the 13th chapter of Matthew's Gospel Narrative. And Jeremy, as I mentioned, we're, we're almost halfway through the book. It's at this point we see Jesus the storyteller. Yeah, that's really, right, that's right. And it really is a dynamic shift from the straight-talking rabbi who showed up in Matthew chapter 5. Very true. I mean, yeah, the idea of seeing Matthew 5 and 6 and 7, even Matthew 10, this long set of teaching that Jesus gives to these various audiences, his disciples. Now you, you get some explanation, but there's a whole lot of uh, stepping back and saying the kingdom of heaven's like, mm-hmm. and just describing these things by means of parables, means of, of stories that have a correspondence to a real truth he wants to convey about the kingdom. But definitely there's a shift in the approach and the way that he does these things. Well, we'll talk about that a little later. It's it's purposeful. It is. Uh, there are reasons for it, and we'll get to that here in just a moment. But uh, once again this week, the preaching team has given us a handle of sorts in the form of a, a big idea statement you shared both in your opening and your closing comments. And you said, we are talking about hearing the word of the kingdom, embracing the king, and living as kingdom citizens. Mm -hmm. Uh, Matthew continues in this chapter to draw the reader in and to present Jesus as the only way forward for the faithful. Right. And, of course, this was in contrast to the Jewish religious leaders who were hearing the word, rejecting the king, and living in what can be called the morass of their religious uh, traditions. Yeah, their own sort of version of religion, Right, so we saw this Their in yeah, yeah, exactly. In the previous chapter, chapter twelve, when when Hutch preached that a couple of weeks ago, they're rebuking Jesus for doing things in the Sabbath. Well, that's not in the Mosaic Law of the Old right. Testament. Right, they're saying, "Hey, you can't heal on the Sabbath." Well, that's not in the Mosaic Law of the Old Testament. These are these are laws they've added on to those laws to further ensure their right standing with God and uh, to get at this by means of self righteousness in many ways. And Jesus has no time for this. He's right. saying that this is not the pathway to salvation. It is hearing this word that I'm preaching to you about the kingdom and repenting and believing in the king and embracing him as who he actually is. And uh, we won't go into that any further right now. Because you can go back and listen to mm-hmm. Hutch's uh, presentation, and we spent a good bit of time on what that might look like today, mm. a couple of episodes ago. But, uh, Jeremy, the discussion today brings up what is really a sobering concept that Jesus presents to the disciples in, in verse 10 and following. Mm, yeah. When they ask him why all of a sudden he's speaking to the crowds in parables, he references the prophecy that God gave to Isaiah and Isaiah chapter 6, verses 8 through 10. We read that prophecy uh, beginning in the service on Sunday. Mm -hmm. He seems to be relegating the religious leaders to unbelief. And and it brings to my mind the story of Pharaoh back in Mm, Exodus. After his repeated unbelief, there in about the 6th, 7th problem, plague Plague, that uh, God was giving, God, it says, God hardened his heart. Is that what's happening here, something similar? 
Yeah, I, I think it is something similar. It's it's always difficult to try to parse out in exact detail God's sovereignty and our own responsibility I'm in sure these things. You're not going to do it today, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the idea, I think it's a good analogy, though, yeah. to go to Exodus and see the example of Pharaoh. Of course, Paul uses that in Romans 9 right. as well, about the, the compassion of God and the hardening of God. But, of course, Pharaoh has a heart that is predisposed, it seems, to disbelieve and to harden himself against these things as well. Um, and in Isaiah, I try to point out on Sunday, Isaiah 1 and Isaiah 5, these these are people who are already rejecting. They've heard the word and they're rejecting it. Right. Pharaoh hears this word from, from Moses about, hey, Yahweh says, let my people go. And he says, who's Yahweh? Right? I, I'm not right. going to do that. And so they they both, Pharaoh and Israel, have heard the word of truth, and they have rejected that reality. And in that idea, uh, they become further hardened to being able to hear and respond to these things. And then like that in, in Matthew as well, he's saying these are people who've heard the word of God. They've seen what I've done in terms of miracles and signs. They've, they've known the truth. Even before I came on the scene, they know the Old Testament and all these things. And they have either rejected it and said, that's satanic, or have said, hey, we, we like the signs you're doing. We'll see in the next chapter, we love you feeding us for mm-hmm. free. That, right. That's a great thing, sure. you know. Sure. But there's not a real... Um, a claim for his his actual teaching, following him as a disciple. So, I mean, all those details we get into Bart in terms of the, theology of you know um, God's sovereignty, responsibility. But certainly, we see a pattern in the Bible of those who hear the word and say, "I'm going to reject that." And there's a further and further deepening of that rejection, like Romans one talks about. And here, Jesus point out to say, these are people who've heard the truth, know the truth, and have rejected it. Therefore, they have ears to hear, but not really ears to hear and to truly do what I'm calling them to do. And Jeremy, it's really a scary thing. Uh, you think of people who perhaps say, well, I will, I'll, I'll listen to you later. We see that in Acts. Paul, with one of the leaders, mm-hmm. he's yes. uh, saying, I'll, I'll hear you at another time. Uh, God is long-suffering. But there's a point at which you've got to you've got to come to Christ, and uh, if you don't, you perhaps damage your chances later on. Yes, uh, totally true. We can't always quantify that. No, but the warnings are there, Bart. You're totally right to say in Second Corinthians seven, Paul says today is the day of salvation. Right. right? So not not tomorrow next or next or, year right. or whatever else. Today is, and so there's a definite warning, and that's why I want to try to convey on Sunday. Toward the end, a moment of plea to respond to the gospel and, right. to, and to recognize this may not be available to you in a year or two or three. Right. Today's the day of salvation. Embrace this. Hear this word. And by God's grace and God's spirit, he takes his word and he He penetrates our hearts in ways we would say, I, I hear and I see that truth and I embrace that as and, what it is. And let's face it. It's hard, even at the end of the chapter, uh, starting in verse 54, it's hard to look at the folks of Nazareth who knew Jesus, they knew his family, 
And we notice there, it doesn't say that they didn't believe that the miracles had happened. Right. They saw the miracles. Right. It doesn't say that they didn't think what he was saying was wise. said, well, where'd this wisdom come from? just says they rejected him. Yes. It was in spite of all the truth and all of the fantastic miracles that he was doing. Yeah. And you're a hometown guy, Bart. (laughs) You've probably experienced some of this, too, even being able to say, I grew up here. Sure got educated, started working and doing these things. And, and probably there are people along the way who looked at you and say, well, we know this hometown kid and all that he's done, whatever sure. else. Or, or, well, that I've done, maybe I didn't want to remember. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And so I, I think right. the attitude here is to say, I mean, you're just one of us. Sure. Don't try to be more than that. And Jesus is saying, well, I can't help but be more than that because I am I Messiah, am. the son of God, the right. son of David. All these things are true of me. So again, it is a dangerous example of what can happen to those who say, I'm just going to reject Jesus outright. Right. Fascinating story. So, so we have these seven parables, each of which share at least one aspect of the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. who will be its inhabitants. And Jeremy, they're pretty simple stories. There's nothing fascinatingly uh, extravagant about them, relatively simple truths. Jesus seems to be appealing to the simplest form of faith. Uh, hmm. All That's all while repudiating the scribes and the Pharisees for that complex system you referenced earlier of religious formula that they've built. Right, right. Yeah, so I mean, it is, in terms of perhaps what the, the Pharisees do and teach, even later on in Matthew 23, mm-hmm. We'll get a lot more detail about uh, the way they teach and what they teach down the road. And and Jesus, of course, is not an overly simplistic teacher. Sure. We we have Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Right. We have other gospels to look at and say this is a profound teacher. And the apostles continue that romance. Absolutely. Two yes. Amazingly uh, technical books. Absolutely, yes. But I think you're right to say he really is seeking to say to his followers, to his disciples, this is what the kingdom is consists of. There are people who respond differently. Even that Isaiah 6 idea goes back to that parable of the sower, I think, to say there are different kinds of soils, hearts, that receive or don't receive these things. The kingdom of God is uh, amazingly, infinitely valuable. There's going to be a final judgment where there are unbelievers and believers, and there are final eternal states for both unbelievers and believers. Um, The kingdom is growing Right in, in the world today, and so just those—they are simple truths, but I think they're really helpful to grant us right perspective. I need those truths sure. day by day to recall. Right. That's right. Christ is going to come. This isn't all there is. This this life. There's more to come. It is growing. I I can get discouraged as a Christian and say, man, it feels like there's loss of certain things, mm. and and recognize as well, man. As we're faithful and as God is faithful, God's word and God's gospel marches on all over this world. Um, yeah, that's right. And, and to say the kingdom is so valuable, I want to be able to hold my possessions and my my life and my time loosely to use that for God's glory, not just for my own purposes of, I got to get all I can get in this life for myself. Right. So that's what it does. It shapes our perspective that way. Well, it seems to me that, that the simplicity of the message uh, the threshold of entry in the kingdom of mm-hmm. heaven is is rather low in one regard. Of course, it's giving up everything, and we'll talk about that right. in just a moment. Yeah. But the threshold itself is low. And then from there, it just fans out into, uh, well, we can say an infinite 
infinite possibilities. Yeah. I mean, God is infinite, so just so much to learn. So it's true. So it, it starts so simply in Matthew 3 and 4. Um, like, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, but he simply says to people, follow me. Right. Follow me. Well, okay, got it. I understand that whole Jump concept. We can, we can move that. Then you're right. That takes 10,000 forms right. in terms of being a spouse or a parent or working in a certain vocation or operating in uh, civic parts of society mm-hmm. or all manner of things. I'm a disciple who's operating in every level of society as a disciple of Jesus. That's a key thing to keep in mind because it is so simple in terms of turning to Christ to follow him in faith and then saying that faith-filled life is going to take on lots of expressions and uh, disciples penetrating every facet of life. Right. And it's just like any road that you get on. And I would encourage those who might be listening who say, just, I just, I can't be that kind of a person. Mm. I can't do that. I can't be good. Uh, I've mm. heard that before. Uh, I don't know enough to, to be that person. It's mm. a matter, as you said, of just go in, just enter. The threshold is low. Enter in faith. Let Jesus take it from there. It's yeah. not about what I can do for him. It's all about what he can do for me. Exactly right. It's not like, well, I, I can't do this. I can't do that. That's totally true. It's true for me and you, oh, Bart, as absolutely. well. Absolutely. And it's true for any person that would feel despair about that. We would all say, yes. And the good news of the gospel is not what we do. It's what's been done for mm-hmm. us by Christ. That's why um, hearing Matt Bennett a few weeks ago doing Matthew 11 and, and the call there at the end of the chapter, come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take Amen. my yoke upon me, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He's not, not trying to weigh you down like the Pharisees are with lots Correct. and lots of rules. He's trying to say, come to me in faith, and I'm going to be gentle, humble towards you, hmm. and uh, following me. It's not easy. No, it's not. Right? The path is narrow. The way is hard. Right. But there's joy and fulfillment and real satisfaction on that road of following Jesus. Well, let's talk about that dynamic. A, a couple of these parables, uh, in particular, some of the others touch on differences between true believers and false believers. But mm. there are two, and those are the parables of the hidden treasure and the pearl of great value in verses 44 through 46, that seem to suggest that those who are Christ's followers should put aside everything else as we follow Jesus. There might be one saying, but... Doesn't God also want us to enjoy his creation here? How can we put everything aside? And, you know, God says, don't, I, you haven't taken them out of the world. Yeah. Uh, you've left them in the world and the in the world of the world type of dynamic. Talk to us about that. Yeah, it, it's a difficult one. I, I find myself trying to think through how do I enjoy God above all things? Mm-hmm. But another question to ask is how do I enjoy God in all things? Right. So, I quoted a little bit of Philippians 3 on Sunday. Mm-hmm. In verse 7, Paul says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. He was on to say, I count all things as rubbish mm-hmm. that I may gain Christ. So that's enjoying God above all things. Okay. But then 1 Timothy 6 we have a verse there which says, God has given us all good things to enjoy. And, and Genesis 1, God created all things and said it's good and we're part of this creation and we're able to enjoy good food, sports, um, you know, relationships, 
being in a heated building right now, right? <laughs> I uh, like it. All number of things we could say and point to to say, I really enjoy these things. So I think the question is, you know, how do I enjoy God above all things? Mm-hmm. Psalm 73, like, um, whom have I in heaven but you, and on earth there's nothing I desire besides you. But then in Psalm 43, verse 6, it says, I'll go to God, to God my exceeding joy. Mm-hmm. Or and, and the way it can be rendered is the joy of my joys. Okay. So there to say we enjoy a lot of things. I enjoy my wife, my kids, family. You know, I enjoy next week's Thanksgiving, Bart. I don't know about you. I enjoy Thanksgiving dinner, man. (laughs) So how do I enjoy that? Can I enjoy that? So the question is, how do I enjoy in a non-idolatrous way? Jesus is saying here in Matthew 13, look, the kingdom is so valuable, everything pales in comparison. And you'd say, I forsake all this to gain Christ. Mm -hmm. And it's it's not an or, it's an and. And having that view of life through the kingdom lenses allows me to now enjoy the good gifts that God has given to me in a way that points me back to God, not just to the thing itself. So I want to enjoy a meal and family next Thursday and be pointed back to God, you're so kind to give a godly family to me and and to um, provide food for us to enjoy together in this way. Mm -hmm. You are so merciful. And, And those things can point us back to him in that way. So it's a way of saying enjoying God above and in all things. I think it's key to keep in mind as a Christian. Context, perspective. Yeah, that's right. It, it shapes well, the way you first. approach. I, so I coached my son's soccer team this past fall. Um, and it was a ton of fun. You know, a lot and of you're kids. You're doing that instead of studying the scripture. Oh, right? uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's but, right, though. But, but you're right. Seriously. Because so often people can say, like, well, I've got to be engaged in that kind of thing only. And to say, no, 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 no. God is in your life in such a way that I'm coaching 11 and 12-year-old boys and girls, 15 of them, by the way. Oh, bless you. Yeah, it was awesome, but it was a challenge. So doing that and, and recognizing, no, this even also is a way that I can glorify God. I'm not preaching to the players all the time. There are moments I took gospel moments for sure, but most of the time it was just having fun, corralling them, you know, teaching skills, uh, coaching for games and doing all that, but it was just enjoying them, uh, being a positive influence in their life, Mm. taking gospel opportunities when they came, um, all those things. But I tell students that I teach all the time, we we glorify God certainly by evangelizing at our jobs. Absolutely. I would say as well, though, you glorify God by doing your job well. God gave us work to do, and a kingdom vision allows you to live as a kingdom citizen in real estate, teaching, building, pharmacy, uh, whatever else you want to imagine to say, I'm going to do this job well as a means God's given to me to be in this earth, subduing this earth for his glory, and that's all good. That's all shaped by the kingdom. It's good today, Uh, and I... I wonder if it isn't also good for eternity. There are those who, uh, Randy Alcorn is mm-hmm. one. He wrote the book maybe 15, 20 years ago, Heaven. Yeah. Yep. I was really encouraged by that. Um, there are people who think, uh, errantly I would suggest, that heaven's going to be a lot of fluttering around on the clouds and right. harps and lyres and that kind of thing. Oh, that's all well and good for some who would like that kind of thing. But Alcorn suggests that Perhaps it's going to be back to the original Edenic 
yes uh, uh, perfection where we are going to enjoy God's creation as it should be enjoyed perhaps we're going to be creating even then perhaps we're going to be even in our work enjoying the blessing of tending to God's creation is there going to be basketball? Is there going to be football? Yeah, is there going right, to be right. musical instruments? That kind of thing. But the idea is now we're seeing, you know, even experiencing dimly through a glass. Yes, yes. Then in full. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Know, it, it, into it, eternity. Yeah, agreed. It's, it's curseless work. Right. Which we can't imagine because we've only known cursed work. We can see it through a glass dimly. That's perhaps. right. Y- yes. Yeah. There are moments where like, oh, this is what it could be like, right? right? But I think that's the idea totally, Bart. I totally agree. I think Alcorn's book does well with that that notion and i think that we often think of worship as music only <laughs> you know we, we had that misnomer in our minds oh, and yes. worship is life it is yeah. we can do what we do in every sphere of life to the glory of god and i think that's what the new christian is going to be right and it will involve music it will involve building it will involve all these things that we do to, to work in a curseless environment to the glory of God. That That's what we're going to enjoy the new creation. But while we're here, keep God first is what you're saying. That's right. right? That's right. That's the fight. Well, there's no doubt that Jesus continues to draw definitive lines between those who simply say they believe and, and perhaps even those who have a system of religious faithfulness in today's world uh, that might look like regular church attendance, good and mm. clean living, community involvement, adherence to the golden rule. A difference between that and those who are living in belief. What do you say to a listener today who perhaps believes they have faith and they're seeking to live for Jesus, but they just aren't fulfilled in their faith? Hmm. Yeah, I would encourage that person maybe to read Matthew 13 again. And, and before you even read it, to just pray Lord, I know what you said is true. I know that you're saying in verse 44, the kingdom is like treasure hidden in a field. Mm-hmm. It's so valuable that in, in my joy, I should go sell all that I have to get that, that kingdom. But I don't feel that. I don't feel <laughs> that. And I would, I would spend time praying, even fasting, Bart, to that end to say, I really want to see this for the treasure mm. that it is. Great. I would go to my small group, and I would say to those that I know really well there at your small group, if you're not part of a small group, I would encourage you to, to join a small group. But to say, man, my heart is not where it should be in terms of enjoying the kind of thing that was conveyed on Sunday the way that I should. Mm. Where, are you, where are you guys at with this? And talk it through and pray for one another and get, get around people who really are satisfied. And, Transparency. And, and, yes. So be transparent with that and then hear from them and say, well, man, your, your faith in that is encouraging to me mm-hmm. and helpful in that kind of a way. I just think that we, we tend to isolate ourselves so often in our Bible reading and prayer, and when it comes to small group, we're maybe scared to say those things. Like, <laughs> I'm probably the only one that feels this way, well, and I can, I can guarantee you, you are not the only one that feels that way. So to encourage you, to be transparent, open, and honest, and just say, I, I want this more. I don't feel what I should feel for this. Would you all pray for me? How, how do you all pursue this? And then strategically together, think through ways you can encourage one another to value God and his kingdom above all and in all. And uh, I think, I'll just stop there. there. There are more strategies, but I think we really undervalue community. I hate to add to scripture, and I'm, I'm taking a chance here, but I'm thinking of Hebrews chapter 11. 
mm-hmm. verse 1, says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of not things not seen. May I add or felt? Yeah. Because, no, I, I think the idea of seeing is yeah. one thing, but seeing is the way that we then cognitively understand and then feel things in our, our own hearts, yeah, right? And so I'm just not feeling it is not a good enough excuse not to do it. Right. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. And so that's a, that's a key thing to say, even though you may not feel those things. Actually, that brings a good point, Bart. One last thing I might say to this is, is your own time in the Word and Prayer community. And then I'd say, serve. Yeah. Serve. You may say, I, I don't feel like serving. I don't feel like giving love toward another <laughs> because I, I'm not feeling enough myself. And God is amazing to meet us in our giving of love toward others to remind us of how valuable he is, how great he is, and to stir our affections anew for him again. So I'd say serve others, even share the gospel with others. That's scary and intimidating sometimes. But I find in doing that, it brings great joy. It, It renews my affections for the Lord to say, I do believe this. He is so valuable. I want to convey this to you. And and God often meets us in the moments of doing when our feelings aren't quite there. Blessing others often has the result of blessing yourself. I mean, how many times have you done something for somebody else and you were the one who received the blessing? Absolutely, yes. It happens all the time. Well, Jeremy, we're coming next week to a very poignant chapter, really. It starts out as Matthew recounts the story of John the Baptist's death, and then we'll roll into a couple of uh, really extraordinary miracles, one public and one private. Help us prepare for that study. Yeah, so upcoming here, there's some really key moments to keep in mind. And I do think we've heard about John in Matthew 11, and he's asking these questions, and Jesus is saying many commending things about John to the crowds there. And and now we're going to see uh, John's end. I, I think it's one, one point to raise from this, Bart, would just be... Um, Following Christ, we've already said this today, uh, does not always mean ease and comfort and tranquility. Following uh, Christ can mean, at times, sacrifice, and it's going to cost you, but the value of the kingdom reminds us it is so worthwhile, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he feeds 5,000, he walks on water, so seeing those things there in terms of, of those things... Um, I think the idea there just to say he's doing these signs again. He's doing things that you'd say, wow, feeding all these people. And we know it's way more than 5,000 people, right? That's just the men that are there. Walking on water, you can say, wow. But I think it reminds us again, as, as Chris Miller, especially said in the early part of this series, this is who he is. Jesus is the son of David, the son of God, the son of man, Abrahamic descendant, the pillar of all these covenants. So you should hear what he's saying, and you should say, I'm going to respond to what he's saying appropriately. Hmm. Wonderful. Well, before I close, go ahead and just share with us that final statement that you shared yeah. the other day. Yeah, so we want to help people recognize we want to hear the word of the kingdom. We want to embrace the king. And by that, then, we want to live as kingdom citizens in every area of life. Jeremy, thanks for being here. Pleasure. I've been talking with Jeremy Kimball today as we continue to discuss Jesus' developing ministry in Matthew's Gospel account. 
You can access Jeremy's sermon and many other messages from our extensive audio catalog, as well as recent podcast episodes, by visiting gracecedarville.org on the World Wide Web and clicking Podcast on the Media tab. We also encourage you to share your questions and comments with us each week by emailing them to contact at gracecedarville.org. That's contact at gracecedarville.org. And please join us next time as we continue in our study of the book of Matthew. Until then, I'm your host, Bart Sheridan, thanking you for tuning into this week's episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. Digging Deeper in Grace is a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Visit us online at gracecedarville.org and join us next time as we continue our discussion. In the meantime, we invite you to continue digging deeper in grace as you read God's Word.